0: If you'd open it with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 146, we're going to read verse 5. We're going to cover a a bunch of different passages this morning on Father's Day. This is obviously a topical message breaking away from our study in the book of Romans. I titled this morning's message, Putting the Happy in Father's Day. You know, we say Happy Father's Day. And uh, there's definitely uh, some scripture here that supports how we can go about it. If you truly want to have a happy Father's Day, and I pray that you do, and I pray that it is a happy Father's Day for you, those that are here, those that could be watching online, and just dads in general. Uh, and though this is you know, obviously is a message specific to fathers today, it obviously because we're teaching God's word it's applicable to each and every one of us and and there's just important truths and then just to be reminded as a church you know we're called to pray for one another and to pray for the dads today and we'll do that at the end of the service and just uh honoring the fathers that are here and thanking God for them and just praying that God would bless them this next year that uh thank that thank God that he's got them through this year and that his hand would be upon him and his uh, anointing. Uh, it's a difficult job being a dad in the world today, and uh, so we very much appreciate, uh, you know, our fathers and and want to celebrate them and, and thank God for them, and then also to instruct them, you know, to be reminded. Uh, like I said, there's so many things that vie for our attention, and so it's good to stop and to, to reflect and and uh, to admonish, to encourage. In all facets of life. And so we want to do that with our dads today. And uh, we're going to read Psalm 146 verse 5. And uh, then we'll take a moment here and we'll pray and we'll jump into this. In Psalm 146 5, it says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And uh, there's much to say to this with regard to Father's Day. We'll enjoy getting into this, but let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, when we think about you as our heavenly father, perfect in all of your ways. Lord, thank you that we have a father who loves us, who cares for us, who provides for us, who disciplines us, who nurtures us, who admonishes us. Lord, everything that we have need of, God, you, you supply perfectly. But Lord, your word tells us that you've given us earthly fathers who loved us and, and, and cared for us in the best way that they knew how. And, and I pray for dads everywhere today. I pray that dads would be encouraged, Lord, in their journey. Um, I know, like I said, it's so, so difficult in the world we live in today. And so to be able to appreciate and to affirm, to encourage uh, the dads that we have uh, in this fellowship, God, we are so thankful for them. Uh, Lord they serve in so many different capacities Lord um, their love is is unique it's completely distinct uh, from that of a, of a woman and uh, Lord I thank you for the love of these men uh, for the body of Christ I, I pray that Lord you would <clears throat> bring comfort to their hearts today if they're discouraged or uh, Lord if um, whatever the circumstance or situation with regard to their home today uh, Lord thank you thank you that God, you have made it possible for us to look to you and to receive from you and, Lord, to grow in the things that you have for us. And I pray that for each father today, that, uh, Lord, we wouldn't look at it, even if we're dealing in an empty nest, so to speak, as long as we're alive, we'll still be uh, the father to our children. And we have a responsibility to speak into their life and to share with them and to encourage them and to admonish them. And so we pray that you would equip us as dads today and then for the rest of us, Lord, that we'd just be reminded of what a great responsibility we have to pray, to pray for the fathers, to pray for the dads in our fellowship and in the world today. We see so many of the world's problems that uh, even sociologists attach to the, to fatherless homes. And so we, we know that this this role is is very, very uh, much needed uh, in, in this world. And, Father, we pray for the homes today. We, we pray that you would bring healing that you'd bring comfort that you'd bring peace that you'd bring your joy today that the celebrations lord that that are happening uh, around the world today especially in this country truly would be happy but for all the right reasons for what the psalmist declared happy is he who has the god of jacob for his help and lord i thank you for these men today i pray that the lord today would be a happy day for simply that because they have placed their hope in you we love you we give you this time today And we thank you of being our heavenly father, Lord. We love you and we celebrate you this day as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes, you know, dads get a a bad rap. Like I said, you know, on Mother's Day, you know, we do something that's encouraging and oftentimes comforting. And then you come on Father's Day and, you know, and dads just get, you know, it's the beat down. You know, it's like, man. And uh, I always, you, you just, they just there's just more of those kind of stories, you know, and, and you come kind of thinking you're going to hear something like this. And it was a story that was told of a family where they had three small children and uh, the kids all wanted a puppy. And so they kept asking their mom and dad for a puppy. And finally, you know, mom gave in and uh, she went and, you know, she got a puppy and, and she had tried to discourage him. She said, you know, kids, you know, I know you want a puppy, but if we get a puppy, guess who's going to end up taking care of the puppy? And they're like, "No, mom, we'll take care of the puppy." And she goes, "I know you say that, but you know, eventually, I'm going to end up having to take care of the puppy, and it's why I don't want to get a puppy." Mom, we promise, if you get us a puppy, we'll all take care of the puppy. And you know how that story goes. And uh, so, mom gets the puppy for him. Time goes on. Guess what? Mom's taking care of the puppy, right? So one day she comes to the kids, and she's like, "Kids, you know what?" And she goes. Danny, you know, that's what they named the puppy. They said, Danny, Danny's got to go. We got to, got to get rid of Danny. And they were like, why mom? And he goes, cause I told you, I said, you know, if we got a puppy, you would have to take care of him as so we brought him home. And you said, you know, Oh mom, we'll take care of Danny. We'll feed Danny. you know, we'll pick up after Danny and you go, and you did for a little bit, but now you're not doing it any longer. And so I, I've been asking around and I found, I found some, some, some people and they're going to take Danny. And, and the kids just started to cry. And I was like, mom, Mom, she's not no. She goes, you know, I, it it is what it is, and so you know, you guys go get Danny, and bring him here, and and all of a sudden, one said, you said, Danny? I thought you said Daddy. You <laughs> know, and you go, and, and you think you know, at the time, it's one of these situations where, you know. How do you confuse Danny with daddy, you know, and the threat of, you know, a parent giving away the other one? And you go, and sometimes as a, as a dad, you know, we, well, we might, have you ever been in the doghouse as a dad? Uh, you know, th- we use that terminology a lot. And so dog jokes, you know, aren't that, that too far, too far off in that regard. But one of the things that's, you know, encouraging when I think about, you know, the word of God, and there's a few passages, you know, that I wanted to share with you today, um, the Lord put these on my heart just a few weeks ago is just thinking about Father's Day and and ways that um, you know I could encourage you, and, you know, it, and especially in these days that we live in to also you know exhort you and admonish you. We can't we can't rest on on our laurels so to speak and, and go through the motions. You know, life is changing so rapidly. And I kept, you know, as I was praying, the Lord kept bringing this one particular passage back to mind. And I want you to look at it with me if you would. And it was in Deuteronomy chapter six. And, you know, kind of the, the backstory of this is, you know, Moses is instructing uh, the children of Israel. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And, you know, you understand that the promised land isn't vacant, right? I mean, there's the enemies of God that are, that are in the promised land. They're going to have to live amongst them. And they're going to have to drive out, you know, in the sense, the enemies of the Lord. And so Moses is, is talking to them how to instructing them you know really how to live a victorious life or you could say in our respect today as fathers day how to how to live a happy life you know walking with god and it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we pick it up in verse 4 Moses said you know listen o o israel the lord our god the lord alone and you must love the lord your god with all of your heart all your soul and all your strength and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, just tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates, you know? And so I, I think of this and in it's, it's such an, a wonderful passage of scripture. You know, when you think about what, you know, Moses is doing and, and, and how he's instructing, you know, the fathers in particular, uh, with regard to the nation of Israel, if they were going to enjoy the land, you know, that they were going into possess that the first and foremost, you know, thing that they would need to be is obedient to the call of God upon their life. And you look at that, you know, in verses one and two, you know, you can back up there Moses he gave them like i said some some practical instruction you know how to live in canaan you know how they should operate there and then we see there in verses 3 and 4 uh, that the israelites were to bear the testimony of the lord and and i think about how these apply today you know especially as us as fathers then verses five and six which is is kind of an interesting passage of scripture when i think about all the things when we think about being a father today and the things that we would instruct our children in um you know we're to love god supremely first and foremost and we're to to keep his word you know as, as jesus said if you love me you know you'll keep my commandments you know that obedience is the greatest demarcation of our love for God. And so here's Moses telling the children of Israel, the most important thing that you can do in this life is, is love God, is to love God with every aspect of your being. You know, so many so many parents have read this passage in Deuteronomy and they believed in order to do that, they wouldn't subject them, their children to public education, that they would actually homeschool their kids. They, the, the way you're going to protect them from this humanistic, you know, uh, theories and philosophies of the world is to instruct them uh, yourself. And, and I think about, you know, that in comparison, and there were so many things I was, I could have titled this as they were going through my mind, uh, over these last few days, you know, that, um, I was, I was thinking of, you know, God, like fathers, uh, godlike father. And, and you think about, you know, one of the, the great aspects or characteristics of God the Father uh, in the life of the children of Israel, I shared it with you last week, was that the God of Israel was a God who tabernacled. He was with the people. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. We've talked about the faithfulness of God. And that, you know, here's God from, and then you look at this, you know, as Jesus said, you know, he told, remember the, the lawyer who came to him and he said, you know, um, you know, Jesus, what's the great commandment? You know, he said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, you do this, you fulfill all, all the law and the commandments. And then he's challenged again. And someone, you know, comes and they say, you know, well, you know, um, this is blasphemy, you know, that you claim to be the son of God. And he said, if you don't believe, you know, the, the words that I speak, he said, believe the, the things that I do. And, and really in essence, what that was saying is, you know, I talk the talk. And I walk the walk. He, he backed up everything that he said by what he did. And everything that he did, he only did what he said that he was going to do. You could say his yes was yes and his no was no. Everything about God is, is perfect in every way. But we look at this relationship then between God the Father and our earthly fathers. And here you look in Deuteronomy and it says, And from the rising up of the sun till it's going down, that we're to keep God the Father before our family's eyes and you know if you've followed you know orthodox judaism at all you know what that that was called was called the phylactery right you looked at verse eight there that they tied little boxes uh, onto their wrist and onto their foreheads and they literally put the word of god they would take passages of scripture and they would they would tie them onto their head and basically what they were saying is everything that, you know, I think about and everything that I see, I want to filter through the word of God, right? And then everything that I touch and everything that I do, I want to filter through the word of God. And I think what a great admonishment, you know, for us to be reminded of even today. And and to think that, you know, here's the role of a father. And when we think about, you know, God being faithful and that, you know, he will never forsake us and that he's with us. You know, we, we used to sing that song, you know, love him in the morning when you see the sun, you know, rise and love him in the evening because he took you through the day and love him in the in-between time when you feel the pressure's coming because he promised to love you and to stay. And and here Deuteronomy is making that proclamation that that's what, that's what a, a, a good dad will do. That, that's what a, a a father who loves the Lord will do in the life of his children. He won't just, and and being a former youth pastor, you know, I used to see this all the time and it probably still happens to this very day. You have families that just bring their children to church and drop them off and then just go, you know, hey, I'm gonna go to the store, I'm gonna do this. And then you wonder why, you know, later on in life that your kids have no relationship with God. Uh, because it's not modeled at home. It's not part of you know the practice in the home. It's just something, it's like going to camp or going to school or going to something else. Um, there's just no personal relationship you know, there with God. And so what Moses is saying is if you're gonna live victorious as you go into this land and you're gonna be living in a hostile environment, very much like the world in which we live in today, that God's going to have to be number one in your life. He doesn't have to be number one in your life, but if you want to be successful and you want to be fruitful and you want to be happy, you want to be truly happy, you will make God first in your life and you will keep him first. I'll give you two things today. If you're a note taker, you might want to write these down. I I could summarize everything that Moses is saying here, but, but in a nutshell that you could hold on to today. And especially for you dads, you know, you think of proverbs, and proverbs are so powerful, right? You know, uh, you know, to you know, um, a pithy statement, you know, that packs a powerful punch. You know, you think about a, what a proverb is, and, and to think about here's Moses going, okay, here's you want to be fruitful, you want to be successful, you want your kids to grow up and be successful. Looking back over the course of my life, you know, uh, I can tell this without a shadow of a doubt. This is what you want to teach your kids. Number one is keep Jesus between you and everything else. That, that's what Moses is telling them. He's going, is that you would put God first in your life. He would, he, you would, he would be the buffer between you and everything else. He'll be the lens in which you will look. We talk about it today as what? A biblical worldview, right? That you would develop a biblical worldview. That's simply just saying, keep Jesus between you and everyone else. And one of the, the struggles that we have as parents, and I, and I see this, in it, and it's so difficult today, you have, um, you know, information is coming at us, you know, like never before. I mean, they're just, we're inundated day in and day out with information. So to try to even remember things, it's becoming, you know, almost impossible uh, that's if you're trying to remember everything else other than, you know, the word of God. What I love about the word of God, has it changed? No, the word of God hasn't changed. It's not like God keeps sending us a new book every year. Thank God. Amen. You know, and, and you're just trying to, oh, we need something, you know, fresh. And it's like, no, what we need is this timeless truth. You know, the word of God doesn't change. You know, Jesus said it. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And, and so our children, and even us as parents, we're, we're just being, like I said, bombarded with all this information. And so you try to teach your kids. I mean, but everything's changing. And so you're trying to find what the rules are today. Like, how do they, you know, how do they navigate through, you know, this culture? You know, you, you hear things, I mean, I don't want to get into it because it's just, it's so deviant and so dark and you go, how do, how do I prepare my kids? You know what? What do I tell them? You know, I mean, I I can't keep up with all these these changes. And you go, and you don't have to. God didn't tell you to do that. He He explained it right here very clearly. And it's like it's so simple that we just miss it. What What did He tell the children of Israel? What did Moses instruct the children of Israel when they were going into this hostile environment? You're going to live amongst the Amalekites. You know, Amalekites, the you know the Hittites. The you know you think of all the different ites. You know that you're going to be amongst. And and they're going to be hostile towards you, but you can live victoriously in the midst of them. He said, if you do this, what? Love God. Love God with all of your heart and all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And so the second thing, you know, the first thing I tell you is, dad, is keep Jesus between you and everything else. And then as you're instructing your kids, you go, you can't cover every rule, but you can cover this. This is the beauty of being a believer in the new Testament is if you are in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy spirit. Amen. The Holy spirit lives within you. So here's the challenge to your kids. And this, there's really way more parts to this, but I want you to think about it. So number two would be when you're training your children about life is this is the challenge for them. As you say, honey, You know, you're going into this situation, you know, you're, you're going into Canaan, whatever, you know, the promised land, whatever place you're going, Fresno, you know, doesn't make any difference. Los Angeles is to do what is to ask yourself this question. And this is for us. It doesn't make any difference if you're a dad in here, if you're a mom in here, if you're, you know, a young man, a young woman, this should be the guiding light of all of our lives. The question we should be asking ourselves every day. Is what I'm doing, is it helping me love Jesus more? And you think about that. So if you're sitting with your children and they're gonna go out, they're gonna go out, you know, on a weekend, you go, hey, so what are you guys doing tonight? I don't know what we're gonna, you go, honey, you know what? I just, I wanna encourage you is ask yourself this question in everything that you do this weekend is will it help me love Jesus more? And if it doesn't help you love Jesus more, you probably shouldn't do it. And you go, oh, mom, that is, you know, that's going to ruin my fun. You know, dad, that's going to ruin my fun. And you go, no, I'm just trying to protect you. I'm just trying to protect you. Because the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a moment, right? There is a way that seems right into a man, but its end is what? It brings forth death. It's, it's pretty safe to say for all of us, really the only thing that's going to matter a hundred years from now, would you agree with this? The only thing that's gonna matter 100 years from now is what did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with Jesus? What did you believe about Jesus and how did Jesus impact your life? That's all that's gonna matter. It won't matter what school you went to, it won't matter what side of town you lived on, it won't matter what kind of car you drive, Um, it won't matter, you know, where you work, it won't matter where your hobbies or your interests are, it won't matter how much money you made or didn't make, none of those things will matter one bit, not one bit. And you go, why? Because (laughs) all that matters is, as scripture says, it's appointed unto man to what? To die and then face judgments to meet God what did i do with jesus christ and i think you know because it's it is difficult you know you think of as a dad today you know in the world in which we live and you go man how do i help my children navigate all these situations in life and you go god didn't he didn't like lay out specific things in his word and you go yes he did he told us what to do is all the time is that we would sit with our kids and we would share with our children so so when you can't expect your children if you've not raised them in the things of God to know the things of God, right? If they don't know the word of God, then they can't make a determination about the word of God. So for instructing them, just like as Moses told, you know, the children of Israel to do the fathers, he said, you know, they, they kept the word of God ever before them. So you think what was taking place in those homes on a day-to-day basis? They were reading the word of God. They were studying the word of God. And it wasn't just that the parents were, this was academic and there was a chalkboard behind them and they were writing passages of scripture on the wall. No, what were they doing? The kids were seeing their parents walk with God. You know, whatever direction you want your kids to go, the best way to get them to go there is to go there first. Would you agree that most people learn by what they see more than what they hear? Would you agree that for the most part, that we, we see something, we see a model or we see an example. And that's why Jesus kept challenging, you know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his days going, you know, if, if you can't just believe what I'm telling you, you know, based on the word of God, he says, then, then, then look at the model, look at the example that I, that I'm setting. Look at what I do, because again, what he was saying is that I, I don't just, you know, talk the talk but I walk the walk and that's really what what Moses is instructing you know the families here and this fathers in particular in Deuteronomy chapter six is you know is to walk with God is to go before you know their children you know I put in my notes you know here dads be careful you know if there was an exhortation today be careful what ladder that you're climbing in this life because you might reach the top of it only to discover that you're standing on top of the wrong building and, and I see that today in, in the lives of, of so many men, even men that, that come to church, but are just pursuing all the things of the world. And, and it's so confusing to our kids because they're going, you know, what really should matter? And so you have to ask yourself, you know, what is the, the master passion of my life? We you know what is the priority of my life? Because if Jesus isn't the priority of my life, you know, again, one of the, the great sins of the Old Testament was the sin of idolatry, right? And what was idolatry? Exactly the opposite of what Moses was instructing us in Deuteronomy chapter six is that you would put something above God. Anything that is above God is idolatry. God is to be the master passion of each of our lives. And so all of us, whether you're a dad or a mom or young or old, you know, we can all, you know, answer that question within our lives today. Is there anything that is more important to me than Jesus Christ? And if there is... You know, we need to examine that and you go, why? And for what? You know, and it recognize, you know, that idolatry isn't something that, you know, was limited to the Old Testament, that it can be prevalent in each and every one of our lives. And yet, if we truly want to put the happy in Father's Day, is happy is the man whose Lord is God. You know, happy is the man who's put his hope in God. That's where true happiness comes from. Because we, we've all experienced, in a sense, moments of happiness in this life that come from worldly things. But it's fleeting. There's no lasting joy. There's no lasting satisfaction. The things that last are the things that are of, of God. Because what? God is eternal. And, and it's so easy to, like I said, in this world to get sidetracked from that. And so on a Father's Day, I just want to encourage you, you know, with all my heart, To warn us, all of us—not just dads, but moms, like I said, young, old alike—you know, Matthew 16:26 maybe says it best. This is from the NLT translation. It says, "And what you do, and and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is there anything worth more than the soul of your family?" And you think about it, you know, all the things that we can get caught up in, all the things that we can spend so much time. And guess what? We can never get back time. Never. Once it's gone, you know, it's gone. And like I said, I, I, I talk to parents. I meet with parents. I see parents. I see what's going on in the lives of so many families today. They're so active in the world. They're involved with all these events and they're doing, and you hear them, they go, honey, I just, you know, to their children, I just want you to be happy. And, and, and it's so sad because happiness doesn't come from worldly things. I mean, there, I saw, it was a quote yesterday and it had a picture of Robin Williams on the front of it. And it was saying, call your happy friends. And then it went into a, a explanation about depression because Robin Williams obviously was a comedian, right, who committed suicide. And just because you're smiling on the outside doesn't mean that you're smiling on the inside. And it was such a, a great reminder because you look at all the things that are happening, you know, sinful things in the world today and the relationships that the world's promoting. And and they're not giving you the full picture. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I wish I would have known how to use, you know, technology there wasn't really a lot of cameras you know back then in that day where you could you'd have to you know be in the industry uh, to make a commercial but I always wanted to make a commercial for the kids because the only real big thing it wasn't I mean pot you know marijuana was just you know there was only the really way out there kids you know did that I mean for the most part you know it was drinking right it was alcohol and so you know I would tell the kids I'd go you know The problem with alcohol and commercials is they put the the best looking people in the world in these commercials, and they make it look like they're having so much fun, right? And so then you think, I want to be happy, right? And I want to have fun. And I go, but they, and and there's nothing not true about that moment, but they're not giving you the whole picture. I said, what they need to do, and I go, and it wouldn't be expensive to add this onto the commercial if they want to be fair about it, is just after that commercial ends, just let it go to black. And then, because this one I saw in particular, it was a camping trip. Right? It was like couples. They were sitting out by a campfire and they're all drinking beer and everything. And everybody's just laughing and having a good time. And, you know, and I thought, well, let's go to three o'clock in the morning. And then just show, you know, the commercial. And I go, you don't even have to even put people on it. Just have it be pitch black like you're at, you know, and still have the fire burning like at the campground, right? But then you, all of a sudden you hear in the background, you're this. Oh, God, please help. I'll never do it again. You know, and I go, that's what they're not telling you. They're not telling you the whole picture. And then they go, what do you mean? I go, alcohol poisoning. Your body rejects it. And what do you do? And I go, next thing you know, I mean, you are, you are, and you end up with the dry heaves. I said, man, I've, I've, I've listened to so many people come to Jesus temporarily in that moment. God, oh, just help me. I'll never do it again. You know, and then there's no stopping it though. Right. Until your body you know, gets cleared. And they're going, really? And I go, yeah. And they just don't tell you that the Bible says sin is pleasurable for the moment. And, and here, you know, Moses is directing the fathers. He's going, if you, you really want your family to be happy is it won't be in worldly things true happiness comes from a, a deep abiding presence of god in your life that you are aware that he's with you and that he's going before you that he's leading you and that he's guiding you and that he's at the highest of the highs and guess what but he's also at the lowest of the lows and so i think of you know i was going to title this you know godlike fathers because then you think that's the that's the dad that you want to be right i want to be that dad that's there in the morning when they rise up i want to be that dad that's helping them navigate the course of the day. Now, does that mean you have to be with them? No, no, you you can lead. You, you can lead in so many different ways, but you're leading them because you're leading them to God. What you're teaching them is, again, every child is born into this world dependent, right? We got all kinds of grandbabies and they're, they're so much fun, but they're totally dependent. You know, you've got to hold them and you got to feed them. And then you get all excited on the day. Man, I don't know how women do it. I mean, I'm just gonna say, I know I'm a wimp. I mean, I'm holding our grand baby. And I was like, my arm's getting tired. It's like, how do women do that? Like, let's just keep holding. them. I'm like, man, somebody taking my arms so sore. And, and you got to hold the bottle, you know, for the baby. And then you start celebrating the day that what the baby can hold the bottle all by itself. So you move from, you know, dependence to what? Independence. That's what we want. Or then interdependence, you know, as they get older, you go, no, God, God wants us to be completely dependent upon him. And we're fighting for, in a sense, you know, independence, you know, from him. But again, I look at this and like I said, there's so many things that just jump off the page. Um, you know, and we can't forget this, you know, as a dad, you know, going back to Deuteronomy chapter six is that it's God's word that equips our children to navigate the course of this life. It's not the educational system. Like I can tell you that. And I think most of us, you know, we know that by now, you know. The word of God is what is going to equip and prepare your kids for what God has for them. And in the truest sense, you know, we we need to be reminded of this, you know, that our children, they're not ours. They're a heritage from the Lord, but they're on loan to us. They are a gift from God. And our job is to give them back to him and, and teach them how to honor him as their heavenly father and to hear him and to walk with him. You know, Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. I put in bold, you know, print in my notes here. You know what we expose them to helps determine what they'll become. It's so true. Like parents, oh, we want to expose them to everything, and you go, no, no, that is the worst possible thing that you could do. It's called overexposure, is what that would be. But again, this world, you know, and I mean, it is, it is looking to draw them and pull them away. I mean, peer pressure, materialism, the sexualization of our, our society today. But what does Proverbs tell us? This Proverbs 13:20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And so what are we teaching our kids? Keep Jesus between you and everything else. And ask yourself every time, Every day, because this was something that was a daily thing in the life, Deuteronomy 6, wasn't it, of the, the children of Israel? Every day, the rising up to their going bed at night was to keep the Lord ever before them. His word was on their forehead. It was on their wrists. It was to guide their eyes, their decisions. It was to guide what they did, what they put their hand to. And, and again, just that God would be what? That he would be, he would be first and foremost in every aspect of our life. I really leave you with kind of three things here. You know, you can't force your children to love God, but you can expose them to people who do. It's one of the, way, the reasons sin works in the world. Because sin at the moment, you know, and again, you think about in the church. I mean, are, is the church just filled with, with people who are, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this. Like, like the world really gets to have the more fun and excitement. And you go, they don't. But, but our kids growing up can think that because that's the deception of the enemy is to make it uh, seem and feel and think that, hey, all these things are, are really where we're going to find true happiness and true joy. Like I said, you'll hear parents say it. They go, oh, honey, all I want you to do is be happy. But do you realize that's a fleeting thing that changes you know, day to day? And what God you know, has, some, he wants something so much more for us. He wants lasting joy. That doesn't change by circumstance. And so I I, I think of the things that I would encourage you as as fathers, you know, even as mothers, like I said today, but fathers in particular because of the role that you have in the life of your children, you know, number one was expose them to the joy of knowing God. See, that's what was taking place in the book of Deuteronomy. That's what Moses was telling the fathers was instruct the children in the things that you know to be true in your life. You don't, you don't teach people you know, what you don't know. You teach people what you do know. And, and the best teacher, like I said, isn't just you know, verbalization, but it's actualization. It's the, what comes out of our life. It's what we, you know, we truly live out in our life. We said So you're going before, you're leading your family. Jesus put it like this in John 17, 3. He said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, to know God. You know, that's what life is all about in this life. Like I said, I don't think kids are rejecting God so much today as they're rejecting religion more than anything else. But Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship, right? You hear that all the time. It's a personal relationship with God. That, you know, we talk about, you know, predestination and election, you know, free will. You know, that God loves you and that he's chosen you and he's chosen to reveal himself, you know, to you. But you think about of all the things that, you know, dad today that you're exposing your kids to, are you exposing them to the joy of knowing Jesus? And, and maybe the question begs to be asked in all of our lives, is there joy in your relationship with God? Do you enjoy, I I love Armin. Uh, Armin's been a father figure to me since junior high. Um, and we'll get together and we'll have lunch. We had lunch this week. And I mean, Armin just starts talking about, about Jesus and and, and just the joy, just tears of joy will just start streaming down his face. I mean, to the point where, you know, I mean, he'll stop. And, and I love that. It just so blesses me about him as his deep devotion. Because he's not trying to impress me. It, it's just we're just talking about our love for God and, and to be... So aware of God's love in your life and looking back and seeing the faithfulness of God that it moves you to tears. It's just like when somebody goes, Oh, you want, hey, tell me about your mom. Well, you know, and you go, Why? And you go, because there's a deep-rooted love there, and that love comes out in, in the way that we communicate, it comes out in the way that we live, and that's what Moses was saying, you know, to these fathers in Deuteronomy is you know, that love that you have for God, you know is get that in front of your, your kids. So it's not just taking them to church and dropping them off. It's not going to work, but it's modeling a faith that's real. Is Jesus real to you? Do you really love God? And are you aware in the morning that God was there in your life? Were you aware at, at lunchtime that he was there? Were you aware of God's presence, you know, in the evening? Were you walking with him? Were you aware that God was leading, that he was guiding you, that he's tabernacling, you know, with you? James 1 17 says every good and perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So I, I think of this. So this happened this, this, this week, I guess this would be a story I could tell you. So Wednesday morning, uh, men's Bible study. So I always stop at the donut shop and get donuts on, on the way over here. And a lot of the guys like apple fritters. So I always get extra apple fritters. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I've got three boxes. I forgot that women's Bible study wasn't wasn't meeting in the morning. So I had a box for women's Bible study. So I was like, okay, we'll we'll have an extra box. So I'm driving down the street and I see this guy sitting on the curb across the street from the church. And he's got his shoes off on the, and he reminds me of my grandson, uh, Brady, who, when he falls asleep, because I have to put Brady in a jumper and Brady will be going like this, Brady, Brady is jumping like this. And the guy was doing that. He was bobbing and I'd see his head. So, I mean, I got, that got my attention. I go, I know he's going to sleep. So I looked, but he was just sitting on the sidewalk. So I pulled into the parking lot and I looked over there. So I honked the horn and he, and he looks around, and he looks at me and I go, come here. So he, he gets up and he puts his shoes on. He had his shoes off and he walks over. us and he's, yeah. And I said, Hey, I just got a question for you. And he goes, what? And I go, do you know God loves you? And he's like, well, you know, there's many gods, you know, and he was starts going into this thing and I go, no, oh, there's only one God, you know, and I go, his name's, his name's Jesus. I go, there's only one true God. And he's like, well, no, really there's. And I just felt like the Lord's going, Mike, you're getting in the way here. Just, just ask him this. I go, do you like donuts? <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, it's like I had this problem. I go, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to get anywhere theologically with him. I could tell him that. So I go, Hey, I go, do you, do you like donuts? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what's your favorite donut? And he goes, apple fritters. And I go, no way. And he goes, yeah, they're my favorite. And I go, look. And so I opened up my truck door, and in the back seat, the boxes were there, and there was the one box on top. And I go, look at the box on top. I go, this, this. I felt like a magician. Like, you know, like, you know, when you're doing a magic trick, like how did this, oh my gosh, how did this happen? So I go, let's get this box right here. So I take the little tiny box and I go, what did you say that you liked? He goes, apple fritters. And I look and I open it up and there's four of them in there. And I go, apple, fr-? I go, hey, you're going to tell me there's not a God that loves you. I said that he loves you so much. He even got you an apple fritter and he starts laughing. he starts smiling, you know, and I go, think about that today. Think about that, that the God, I go, think about it. I go, there's all kinds of donuts, right? I go, you're just sitting over there. And I go, I just, I wanted to tell you about Jesus. And you want to argue with me about theology. And I'm just going, no, he, he loves you. God, I said, that, that's how he started. God loves you. Oh, I don't know. He loves, no, he's personal. He's a personal God. I mean, do you think God would get you an apple fritter? Is that beyond God? I'm, people go, oh, it's just coincidence. I go, ah, not for me. Why? Cause he's ever before me. I, he's the God of providence. I see him, and I look for him, and I'm going, and so I'm walking around, you know, it's like, I'm just excited, God, thank you. It's not even six o'clock in the morning, and I've already got to be used by you today. Just a delivery boy, that's all I got to be. And you go, that's not, it's like David going, man, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, right? Man, I'd rather be what? A door, a doorkeeper in the house of God than any place else. And you go, and, and so I ask you, you know, dad's, is, is Jesus that real? Do you see him? And, and are you communicating to your kids? Do they see, you know, when things happen, you know, I, I tell you all the time, one of the best ways as, as a parent, when there's an ambulance or a fire truck or a first responder, you know, going down the, down the road is to pray, pray for the people, pray for the responders, pray for the people. You know, we have so many things that we can, we can inject the presence of God into that our kids begin to see God and look for God and the, the joy of knowing God that we, we serve a loving, very, very caring God. And are we helping our kids know the heart of God through the word of God and through prayer? That's how we tie everything back together is through experience. Expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. Read his word every day. Let them see you love your wife and in front of your kids. You know, talking about your own failures and faults and the areas where you need prayer. Keeping it real. I saw this quote yesterday. I loved it. It said, at my lowest is God is my highest hope. When I'm in my darkest place, God is my light. When I am weak, he is my strength. And when my heart is broken, he is my comfort. I love it. You know, people just simple things like that. You go, that they go, God is that? And you go, yeah, yeah. And then show them in his word, tie it to his word. It's not, oh, he is that to me. You go, no, his word declares he is that for them as well. Tying it back to God's word. The second thing, you know, as a dad, expose your kids to the presence and the power of God in the church. Don't just take your kids to church, but understand you are the church. You know, Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, their fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then it says fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods, and they divided them amongst all as anyone had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You know, a lot of times people look at the church for what they can get out of it, but God's intent was that we'd look at the church for what we could put into it, what we could bring with our life to share with other people. See, we exist not for ourselves. We exist for the glory of God. He saved you with a plan, with a purpose, you know, to reveal himself not just to you, but to reveal reveal himself through you. You know, we are, to be as the church, a a family, a a tight-knit, you know, community. Uh, and again, walking, you know, with the Lord and making him known to one another, you know, and, and, and I hear parents say, well, I asked my children, do you want to go to church today? I go, do you ask them if they want to go to school? Do you ask them if they want to go to the dentist? You know, do you ask them, you know, I mean, any, really anything you, you, for the most part, you go, Hey, this is what we're doing. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, because they, they, didn't, they didn't want to go. And I go, okay, I, Why? I go, I, I love it. You know, you hear stories where it's the children bringing their parents to church. You know, man, they, they can't wait to, you know, to get into fellowship because they love their friends. They love being in community. You know, uh, we just had a little three-year-old birthday party yesterday, you know, for our, our granddaughter. And even at three years old, she's aware of people. You know, it's like they want, you know, people to be there. It wasn't, she didn't really care about the the gifts or anything. That'll come later, you know. But at three, it's just, you know looking looking for relationship you know and i think about that you know that again all the things that we can do you know as as dads is introduce our our children into the relationship within the body of christ to understand that you know again and we say this and we we were even saying this about our youth that they're the the next generation well they really aren't in the truest sense they they're the body of christ they're here now they're they're new blood you know that's fresh life you know into what god is doing in the life of you know our church and that should be exciting. It's not something that comes later. It's something that, you know, we do now. But I think we'd all agree that many families, you know, they serve Jesus on the altar of what we call convenience. And that, that's really, it's so detrimental to what we're seeing. And, we're, and unfortunately, it's happening more and more. Ever since COVID, we're, we're seeing it, you know, a more of a direction, uh, that being a direction of many families. It's just not convenient, you know. And they go, well, but we're spending time as a family. And you go... And someone told me this the other day, and it was just a great reminder. They said, you know, remember, you know, Mike, that whatever you use to reach people, you have to use to keep them. So if you're using entertainment to to keep, you know, reach your family, you're going to have to use entertainment to keep them. So, uh, again, one of the, the beauties of the body of Christ is, you know, we're not here to entertain each other. You know, we're here to grow in our relationship with God and to help each other to do that, to stir up love and good works is to refocus our lives on what really matters and what really counts is what's going to matter. You know, like I said, a hundred years from now is Jesus. I guess the question we can ask ourselves, is he my life or is he just part of my life? Colossians three, four says for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life, is revealed to the whole world you will share in all his glory you know and i put in big bold print in my notes for parents both moms and dads if you overrule church for other things but never rule overrule other things for church you're sending the wrong message you know god should be the priority church is part of that priority and unfortunately it's it's you know it's becoming convenient to stay at home we can watch it on TV we can listen to a podcast and you go that's fine for you know personal growth but it does nothing for the body of Christ it does nothing for those that are in need it does nothing in our interpersonal relationships and so you know, again, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 puts it like this, says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And you know, when you go, what is that day? The Lord's return. So we shouldn't be going less. Really, what should be happening is we're amping up and we're doing More. I put my notes here. Remember, what a parent does in moderation, a child does in excess. What a parent does in moderation, a child does in excess. And so if, if you're moderate in your fellowship and your church attendance, trust me, your kids will be, you know, excessive in their forsaking the gathering of the saints. It's just the statistics prove it out. It's not, it's not even a debatable, really, discussion. Proverbs 27, 17 says as iron sharpens iron, so does one man the countenance of his friend. And the last one, and leave you with this, you know, it's not just expose them to the joy of knowing God or exposing them to the presence and the power of God in his church, but expose them to the joy of being used by God. To understand that God has gifted them, he's gifted you. Are you using your gifts? Are you using your gifts for his glory? Understanding that, you know, train a child in the way he should go. Your child has a natural bend from God. And it's to not, you know, bend them in your will or my will or live vicariously through our children. But to recognize they are their own person. They are unique. You know, uh, they have been fashioned in the womb by God himself. And God has gifted them and to help them discover who they are. Because I think we're seeing, sadly, the opposite of that. A world without God is an identity crisis and that's what we're seeing in the world today It's to make sure that your kids know who they are in christ jesus that they were created by god they have a gender and it's clear and it's present and not to buy into the world system and you look at the things that are happening you know uh, just real quick you know before we close here and it was just a, such a, a sad this is that thing about you know people looking at the short term and not the long term and it was talking about the issues of, of transgender and, and um, the discussion was, you know, they said you know, that gender and biology um, are are separate things. And this person was saying, no, gender and biology are are really the same. And he said, I can prove it to you. And he said, well, how's that? And the comment mediator said, and he said, uh, well, it's real simple. He said, you find someone who who claims to identify as a specific gender, which is opposite of, you know, he says, cause I believe there's only two, uh, they identify with the opposite gender. He said, then they are seeking surgery to align themselves biologically with the gender in which they identify. And he goes, that, ma- that making then gender and biology one and the same. And his point was, you know, that you were born into this world, God created them. I and that's really the, the greatest argument. In the world today, it's parents go, I just want my children to be happy. And you go, Well, they won't be happy apart from God, in the truest sense. And God created them, male and female. He created them. It's interesting, you know, that David on his deathbed, he told Solomon, he said, you know, all the things he could have said, he said, Solomon, act like a man. Act like a man, be a man, man up. And and I would encourage you, you fathers, through this father's day, you know, man up, act like a man. Be who God created you be. Don't get caught up in this whole thing in the world, you know, today is know who you are in Christ Jesus and know that you have a gift and you have a calling and your children have that gift and they have that same calling in their own life. And our job is, like I said, is to steer them to God. You know, God will reveal himself. Just like, you know, Eli with Samuel, you know, when you wake me up in the middle of the night and you're saying, you know, are you calling me? And it's like, no, I'm not calling you. You know, it's the Lord calling you. And when he calls you, you say, "Here am I," and as a parent, that's what we need to be teaching our children: is to listen to God, because God speaks and He's calling them. And when He says, "You know, you know, here, here I am," and I'll tell you what, then God will begin to do amazing things in and through their life. And so, I just encourage you today. There, like I said, there's so many things that um, you know that come to our hearts and minds on a day like this. But I, I say this, you know, as we as we go. You know, if you, if you want to see your children in God, let your children see God in you. Uh, of all the things I can encourage you with today, dads, if you want to see your children in God, let your children see God in you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for these dads, moms, I thank you, young, old alike that are here today. And uh, Lord, what a what a awesome opportunity we have on Father's Day to first and foremost thank you for being our wonderful heavenly father and then giving us dads earthly dads who lord are a reflection of you we're not perfect uh, but lord we we know a perfect father that we have a great model one to follow one that we can know that we can comprehend and understand who is there for us and is with us and, and helps us may we be that kind of father to our children lord as the father here in deuteronomy that from our rising up to the time that we go to bed at night Lord, may we be thinking, praying, seeking, making you known in our own lives, in the lives of our families, the lives of our friends, and in this world until all the world hears that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by him. Lord, we love you. Be glorified this week in our life. Bless each and every father today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.